this conversation with Carrie Kaufman, which I recorded on 10th of January 2022, we touch on a whole load of things to help you understand how to strategically plan your business, but also create a vision for the future. And I asked Carrie one of the questions around what's the biggest thing that drives people to want to coach? And what she said is, it's that combination of dissatisfaction and vision. Because some people are dissatisfied with the progress they're making in their business, or they've got a vision of what they want and they're not getting it or they haven't got a vision at all and they realize they need to step up and do something different. So she talks there about how do you create a theme? And that theme could be a longer term theme or a short term theme of 90 days. But once you create your theme in place, you can start working to resolve the dissatisfaction or build your vision or both. And I think that's a lovely thing to do. Carrie also talks a lot around how do you go about uh, putting in place the systems to enable you to step back from the business, to enable other people to step up. And the, one of the last questions I asked her was around, how do you do that? And she said, actually focus on the team. And to me, that's the key thing. You can't build a business without a team. Well, you could, you could build a one person business, but actually if you want to build a real team and a real business, you need to put the value in that team, empower them, trust them, give them responsibility and understand what skills do you need in the business that they can bring so that you can effectively step back and relinquish authority and responsibility for certain things to give you more time to do those things. Even if it's just putting one small thing in the diary at a time, you can start building that. Enjoy the show. And if you want to connect with Carrie, you'll hear the details at the end. It's a great conversation and a great start of a 2022 that I think we should all come back to listen to on a regular basis. So welcome to the Sparks Made Me podcast. I'm Phil Rhodes, the host, and today I'm delighted to be joined at the beginning of 2022 by Carrie Kaufman. Carrie is an executive and business coach. She's a certified scaling up and action coach. She also holds qualifications in DISC and EI, which we might talk about later. Uh, Carrie and I have never actually met. We've talked through the last period of time or since I've been a scaling up coach. So I'm delighted to welcome her to the show now because there's lots of conversation that I want to have around how do you build a business? How do you scale? How do you involve your, your ownership? Um, and how do you actually engage your team further for the future? So welcome to the Sparks Bacon podcast, Carrie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. It's nice to see you. We're having this on a on a cold January evening in the UK, and it's a warm January morning in San Diego. So uh, welcome. That's right. To yeah. <laughs> so we mentioned about um, scaling up an action coach. You've been coaching for for some time now. Can you just give a little bit about your background? Where have you come from? How did you get into this coaching world? Yeah. So I have been a coach since 2005. Wow. And um, I got into it. I kind of got mixed up in this a bit by accident, I suppose. And it started because I grew up in a family business. So I worked in the family business for a long time. Uh, my dad still owns the business, uh, operates it remotely, but he had um, bought some companies and sold some companies. And I, I got a lot of great business experience at a young age that I completely mm -hmm. underappreciated because <laughs> I thought I was too big for the family business. I wanted to move on. So I got my master's in business. I moved into the corporate world, um, was working in corporate level marketing and a friend of mine, uh, just a colleague in the office, a, a buddy, uh, walks into my office one day and I was working here in, in San Diego. And um, he said, I met somebody that does something I think you'd be good at. And he introduced right. me to a business coach. Now that was in 2004. I had never even heard the term business coaching. And I was like, is that a real job? <laughs> what do they do? So, but when I met his friend and it clicked with me really quickly, because I, I felt like I could help people like my dad, yeah. who was a successful guy. Uh, but I also saw the back end of that, right? I saw the constant tension between wanting to build your business to what you know 
you're capable of and also wanting to make it home in time for dinner with the family. Right. And that, that constant balance and tension, but I had gone on and developed, you know, education and professional experience that I felt like I could help people like my dad. So I took, you know, several months, almost a year to kind of really dig into it and learn more about it. And then I jumped in in 2005 and have never looked back Um, and uh, complete that story. My dad actually was a client of mine for about three years. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. He paid me and everything. (laughs) <laughs> well, and and I, I'd love to ask how that worked out because I, I have a very similar story from my bit. So, so before I carry on, how did it work out working with that? It worked out well. So I was not his first business coach. Okay. He had actually heard of coaching. He, he was kind of key for me getting into the industry because he already had a sense of familiarity and validated that it was a really helpful thing for his business. Yeah. Um, so he had been well-trained uh, by some uh, excellent coaches prior to working with me. Um, but he came to me one day and he goes, well, you know, me, you know, my hangups, you know how I am. And I'd like for you to coach me, uh, you know, kind of wow. to get through this next phase, which was, a, which was an honor. Yeah. Um, and honestly, we coached each other cause he's still one of my key business mentor, business and life mentors as well. So it was, it was a mutually beneficial for sure. Well, I love that story. And, and it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you said right at the beginning there, you know, you didn't know this thing called business coaching. I started my business in 2004 and I didn't call myself a coach specifically because there were lots of life coaches around in the UK at that time. I'd just come out of the corporate world and the word consultant was what I knew. I didn't know of business coaching. So I called myself a yeah. consultant for the first few years. And it wasn't until 2008, which I discovered actually I'd been coaching all the time. I just didn't know it was coaching at the time. I still thought it was consulting, but I realized there was something else there, which is this coaching world, but it hadn't clicked for me. That's what it was. So I was late to the party and calling myself a coach. <laughs> but, but the other bit that really resonated with me as well is um, you talk about your, your father. My, my parents ran their own business. They sold it in 2010. Um, and my dad won't listen to this, so I can say, say this now. But actually, you know, if, uh, if I could have gone back to 1982 when they started their business and helped them build their business, I'm pretty sure we could have built, built a better business because actually you said about, you know, making it home in time for dinner. That was a tough call for a lot of my, my father and my mother worked in the business as well. So I was you know, brought up with them working in the business Monday through sun, Saturday um, and Sunday they generally have off. But if we went on holiday, they were always on the phone back to the office to check things were okay. Yep. So they never got away from it. And I wish I could have gone back now with what I now know to help them do something differently. Yeah. To that. Yeah. I know so many coaches that that's our story, that it's so personal to us and we intimately yeah. know what it's like, the good and the bad, like the good, the bad and the ugly of it. So we yeah. become very passionate about knowing yeah. that they did a lot of things right. Uh, but there's also things that we could yeah. improve on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think actually, I think my dad was a brilliant, and I used to be a technician. My dad was an engineer. Yeah. Uh, he was a marine engineer. So he was, he knew everything it was to do about boats. He could take an engine apart, put it back together and make it go faster. And the business worked really well for 30 years, but it was very much a lifestyle business with a number of employees. But I think you're right. He, he knew how to make it work and there were some great things came out of it, but actually the lasting value is the bit that I really want to help him because yeah. he never managed to scale it in the way that I would call scaling it today. Of course. Yeah. So, so, so that journey for you in that case, you know, getting back into, you know, coming into coaching 2005, um, what was it like back in those early days of coaching for you in terms of working with clients? Well, nobody like me, nobody else knew what coaching was either. So it was uh, just a completely new experience. And I started out working in a private firm and I went uh, independent, um, you know, kind of a bit of a jaunt from the story is I had quit that position in 2007 because my husband and I had a goal. We wanted to live in a foreign country for a year. So we both quit our jobs and sold everything. We wanted to move to Barcelona for a year. And then when we came back is when I started the business I have now and went wow. uh, did it privately in, in my, my independent practice. 
Um, so I was still educating people on what coaching is. Uh, there was a bit of a stigma around it in my experience that that coaching was for broken businesses, that yeah. people who if you need a coach, then you must be in bad shape. And yeah. now I don't find that to still really exist, at least not in, in great form. Um, I'm sure it still does with some mm. people. But now yeah. I find that uh, people are a lot more proactive, realizing that every business needs a coach, just like every professional athlete has a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it's, it's something that good businesses do to get better, um, yeah. and healthy businesses do to, you know, to get healthier, be more scalable or more, um, sustainable, or as I like to put it, if you, if it's a business owner, that the business works for them instead of them working for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. so I have definitely seen a shift in kind of the adoption or perception of coaching, receiving coaching, what it means to be coached, um, yeah. is wonderful right? A lot more right. understood and accepted. And, and I think it's really true. I, um, I went to a seminar pre, pre-COVID pandemic with, with Eric Schmidt from Google. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, they were just releasing their book called Trillion Dollar Coach. Oh yeah. And I- one of the things he said in that, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a well-known phrase that when he joined Google, one of the best things he ever had was having a coach. Yep. And he worked with this, this, this uh, gentleman who actually turned out to be working with, with Google and with Apple and with other businesses as well. And if you haven't read the book, it's worth going. I have, yeah. It's a great it's, book. It's a great story. It is. But I still think that thing that Eric Schmidt said, you know, the best thing he had was having a coach, someone who could work with him. Um, but in the past, people have seen it as the remedial class. They didn't think right. that coaching was to help them become even better. And yeah. I've always used that phrase around, you know, the greatest sports stars in the world have always had coaches. In fact, they've had more than one coach. They've had a number of coaches to help them do all the different things they do. Yeah. But in business, people didn't used to do it. So I think it's, um, it's fascinating to hear that you, you getting into that in 2005 as well. Yeah. Um, and then 2007, creating this, this latest introduction to what you do as well. So yeah. um, it's an interesting world, this world of coaching. So, so tell me, you've, you've been in it before and you've mentioned about scaling up an action coach. When did you get involved in the, the scaling up world? And the action coach, which came first? Action coach was first. I got certified in action coach in 2009 and scaling up came much later, 2017. Actually, it was just, just my four-year anniversary of uh, beginning the certification process just in the last couple of months. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely um, newer to scaling up comparatively speaking, but it was kind of a an evolution, I think, of my business because um, the types of work and the types of businesses. And as my clients started to grow and needed a bit more sophistication with regards to their frameworks and how they looked at scalability and how, you know, how can you really, really scale up and really replicate without the wheels falling off. Right. Um, and I refer to it like, I I think of it like a speed wobble. Like if you've ever ridden a bicycle or a skateboard downhill, like you really pick up speed and, and you get that little bit of a wobble going and it's, it's kind of fun and kind of thrilling as yeah. long as you don't die, right? <laughs> like you could, you're also very precarious and things could really go wrong. And I feel like that's where scale-ups t- can tend to lie, right? There's this bit of a knife edge between, wow, we're growing mm. really fast, that we're on the verge of losing control. And, and losing control can mean that we outgrow our cash. It could mean that our culture gets compromised, could mean that the founder of the company goes to work and they don't even recognize the company anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they just kind of lose their way with regards to their position in the marketplace. Like it could be a lot of different things that, that result in that feeling, but it's just kind of knowing like things are going a bit too fast and we're having a hard time keeping up. Um, and as Vern Harnish, uh, the founder of scaling up would say more businesses die of indigestion than starvation. 
right? So it's, it's, it's too yeah, much of a good yeah. thing sometimes can, um, can be the business's peril. Um, and that's where I think scaling up comes in to provide the frameworks to make it scalable and you can enjoy the ride um, yeah. while, you know, being, continuing to be strategic and, and not um, get to the next phase, which is um, commonly called, you go from scale up to screw up, right? Yeah, which avoid yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting that that's people. I can relate to that. You know, I, I ride a bike regularly. And uh, for me, you know, we've got a hill very close here. And I know that feeling of you going downhill and you, you want to put your hands on the brakes to slow the business down or the bike down because it just feels a bit too dangerous. But yep. then you also want to let it fly as well. And yep. I think for a business point, I've not thought of that, that speed wall point, that you do get to a point in your journey where you've got everything running, but you feel like you're spinning lots and lots of plates in the air and one of them's going to drop. Yeah. And that's yeah. the hard bit, I think, for the business owner is trying to work out. Um, because I was saying the businesses that we come across in, in the work I've done as well, they're often perfectly designed to get the results they've got today. Exactly. And that's I, one of the biggest issues that they don't know how to get the results they really need. Exactly. Yeah. So, so from, from your perspective in that case, what's the, what's the common thing that people wake up in the morning and say, I need help? Do they say, I need a coach? Or are they looking at some other issue in their business? They say, this is what's presenting. And therefore, what, what comes first? need a coach or suffering from a problem? I, I think it's both. There's the two reasons why people change are the carrot and the stick, right? Okay. Like they're either they're dissatisfied, meaning there's known problems or constraints that they know they need to, they need to solve it or they need to remove whatever is kind of keeping them, preventing them from growing. Um, mm. Or it could be the, the vision, that the dissatisfaction might be low, meaning I've got a nice business. Things are, are working well. Yeah. They're working okay for the most part. Of course, there's always fine tuning that could happen, but I know we're capable of more. I really want to get to this point. And maybe that's, they want to be able to sell the business someday. They want to hit some milestone. Yeah. They have some big, hairy, audacious goal they're going for. And they know that the business has to kind of um, evolve or reinvent itself in order to get to that next level. Um, yeah, I yeah. think most time it really is a combination. I think it's a multiplying effect, the dissatisfaction and the vision, uh, because if you're, you have the biggest vision in the world, but if you're pretty comfortable with where you're at, like actually things are pretty yeah. okay. And I'm making good money and, you know, not working myself to the bone. Like, are you really going to throw yourself into the unknown of, of taking that yeah. next leap? And the opposite is also true. You know, you could be really dissatisfied and frustrated, but if you don't have a vision that's compelling you to what you what you believe and what you want the business to look like instead, you'll kind of live yeah. in frustration, right? So yeah. Yeah. I, guess, I guess both is the answer. Yeah, and it's interesting. I love your thing about, you know, the dissatisfied and the vision, having that balance between the two, because um, one thing I often find with business owners, I don't know if you've seen the same, is they often are not sure what their vision is. They just keep doing, doing, doing. And they've not thought about where that future of the business could go because they're so stuck in it. They don't have time to come up above the parapet and think, well, where exactly. are we going? Yeah. And that's one of the biggest issues. So, so creating that vision right. and, and understanding what's that thing they're aiming at, I think is one of yeah. the big things like, I've seen as well. What are you going for? A little 10% better than last year? I don't know. You know, yeah. just kind of yeah. arbitrarily you know, picking that. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty. It has a bunch of zeros at the end of it. And, you know, that's that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think this is the thing. You know, we're, we're recording this. It's 10th of January now. And I think one of the things, you know, looking forward across the year, um, people are actually we often come in, yeah, everyone makes their New Year's resolutions to some degree over New Year. They think about what they're doing. Uh, and we always joke that most of those New Year's resolutions have, have, have failed by the end of the first week because they've got back yeah. into the way of doing things. Yeah. So I wonder what's, um, what, what thoughts have you got and what tips can you give people around building that vision for the future and actually getting into that strategic? Because I think there's always this element of you know, visioning and then the strategy to make it happen. So I wonder if you've got any tips that you could share with 
people around creating that vision and making it last. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great point because uh, there is actually a specific day, and I think it's January 17th that's known as the Ditch Day. It's the date by which most, at least in America, that most Americans have ditched their resolutions by that date. And I think for some, it might be the 2nd of January, Uh, but that's true. And having the compelling goals and the clear plans is critical Mm -hmm. to get through the times when you would otherwise get trapped by the day to day. So for example, I had a client, this is actually last January, but we were about probably right about 10 days into the new year. And we had a coaching session and she said, absolutely nothing is going according to the plan so far. And they had, I think one person quit, somebody get, I don't remember it was COVID, but they were out unexpectedly. Like, so they, while they were poised to have this like gangbusters launch to the year, like everything yeah. sideways instead. And she was kind of faced with like getting drawn back into just meeting the day-to-day demands of the business or mm-hmm. making a choice that I'm going to stay the course with the plan. Um, and of course it was a bit of a negotiation and, a, and even a bit of a hybrid because there, there were some legitimate day-to-day responsibilities that needed to be covered by people yeah. who were out unexpectedly, um, but to not abandon the plan entirely. So, it, I mean, as much as I'd like to, to take credit for it, like she'd be the person to tell you coaching actually really helped her in that because it, it gave her the perspective and the accountability to say, okay, what can I do? Can I still take yeah. one or two hours this week to be to, to do something that my future self will thank me for, to do something proactive in the business and not just serve the demands of this day or this month um, and to, yeah. you know, to keep that focus and not let it go. Um, yeah. One other thing I've had uh, a lot of success with personally, as well as some of my clients, this is going to sound a bit um, simple, is... Right. Setting, setting a theme for the year. Okay, um, tell me more. For a lot of my clients, they'll set a theme quarterly as it relates to the team. Um, but personally, what I do is I'll pick my my word or my phrase for the year. That yeah. The question I wanted to answer is when the year is over and I'm looking back and I've had a great year, what, what will it have been about? What's the mm-hmm. one word or the short phrase that best describes what the year was like for me? Um, and one of the most impactful themes I picked for, for a year was a few years ago and it was, uh, my theme was create space. Nice, um, nice. I was at a point in my business that I already, I had a good business. It was full. Um, I didn't have room for a lot more clients, but I wanted to grow, which meant I saying no to things you don't like is easy. Saying no to good things mm-hmm. is much harder. So that yeah, theme of yeah. creating space really challenged me throughout the entire year. I held on to that theme that's like, I just, because it's a good opportunity doesn't mean I need to take it. I need to create the space. And if I'm going to create space for new things, that means I need to let go of some things. I need to decline yeah. some opportunities to say no to the good, to, to leave room for the great. Um, and I mean, really? I can tell more stories about clients who have done that, but that's that was has been helpful for me um, over several years to kind of have that, call it a mantra, call it a theme, yeah. focus, whatever, whatever, put whatever word you want to it. But it, it was yeah. challenging in um, keeping my priorities in order. And, and, and I think that's the key bit, isn't it? It's the, it's the, the prioritization and hoping you keep focused on it. Because if you've got a theme of creating space, I often use words setting the context, but same thing in terms of, okay, what's the theme you're working towards? Um, and, and I just want to go back a little bit. You said about you know getting to the end of the year and looking back over the year and say, okay, what's the thing that's enabled me to do this over this period of time? Um, I, I often do a lot of visioning work with clients to help them step out into the future. 
to understand, okay, if it was now the 10th of January, 2023, and we're having this conversation, what would have had to have happened in the previous 12 months to enable you to get to this point where you've created space or whatever it is as well? And I think that really helps people step back. Some people find it really difficult. Some people find it hard to step into that future space and look back along the timeline of where they've come from. But I think it's a really powerful tool to actually say, okay, what have I done? What's, what's, the, what's enabled me to get to this point in time, yeah. one year down the line, look back along it and say, what have I done? What have I achieved? And looking at the, the peaks and the troughs of the year that have made you get to where you are. Yeah, it, it is hard to do, which is why most people don't do it. <clears throat> yeah, right. very right. true. Uh, and, and I love that. I, I love that thing. It, it, is, it is hard, but, uh, but we know the value that comes from it. And I think that the bit about you know, creating a theme really drives it. Then you've got something to anchor you in, saying, this is why we're doing it. This is what we've done. And I can see what we're trying to achieve. Yep. So, so come back to that point around, um, you, you mentioned there about, you know, um, ditch day. And I love that. I've not, not, I, I've not seen that as January 17th. But I love that because a lot of people do get very um, hung up on creating some resolution at the beginning of the year. Um, but they don't do it from a point of view of what the real reason is. They don't understand their full why of doing it. Right. And I think that's a big piece for a lot of companies or a lot of individuals to understand why, why bother them? Why do we need to create space? So how would you go about enabling someone to come up with a theme such as creating space? What's the, what's the words you would use with them to help them get clear on what that thing is? Um, that, that the driving question is look, but like, like you just said, putting yourself at the end of the year, looking backwards. Yeah. Um, sometimes some of the ways we get there are through a, Maybe it's a collection of, I call them driving thoughts, okay. which is what are the, the, the constant thoughts or reminders you want to shape your thinking throughout the year. And oftentimes it might be a quote. It might be um, even a catchphrase, right? Um, yeah. That kind of helps to develop and develop what the theme might be. And it's, it keeps clarity on the goal. So for example, I've got a handful of them. Uh, one of mine is a quote from Jim Rohn that's life is a collection of experiences. Nice. Uh, and that that's constantly shaping, like, am I going to say yes to my kids when they want to play a silly game when I'd really rather be doing something else? Am I going to take this trip? Am I going to take this client? You know, like, what's the experience? Like, what am I collecting? Yeah. What, what learning or what fun or, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. It's just collecting experiences. So even during the hard times, the challenging times, like what's the experience I'm going to collect from this? Cause I might as well make it worth something, right? If you're going to go through the hard time, you might as well get some benefit from it. Um, so that's been helpful for me is kind of collecting some of these quotes or thoughts. Um, one of my clients shared one with me that I really liked that's um, big doors swing on small hinges. Right. And so for her, that was about the little things she was really focused on the daily disciplines, not just the big goals, but like, what's the small things I need to do every single day, whether it's making yeah. sure I'm getting exercise or drinking enough water to making sure I'm, I'm planning my day and prioritizing before I begin just the small daily rituals that compound and lead to great success. Yeah. So sometimes breaking it that. down into things like that can, can be inspiring or clarifying or what are just the, the things that you read or you think about that grab onto that, or that challenge you um, that might help somebody get closer and closer yeah. to the, the, the theme for the year, or it, if the theme for the year is too much, make it a theme for the quarter, which, which for the team, when you're, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bit of a difference with how you're planning for yourself, your personal goals, and you happen to be a CEO versus when you're goal setting with the team, right? You kind of do that at, at two different two different levels. 
Um, so with the team, a quarterly theme um, usually makes more sense, easier for okay. people to get their head around, easier to keep energy and momentum, right? A year's a long time. <laughs> the bit I love there about, you know, the CEO having one view on it, but actually then breaking it down into smaller chunks so the team can get hooked into something else as well. So you've got the, the overriding theme of creating space for the year, but then you've got other themes that the team combined to as well. So I like that. Um, but I, I also love that. I, I love the, the, the two phrases you mentioned, the Jim Rowe and the collection of experiences. I love that. And I love that big doors swing on small hinges because it's those small little rituals we put in place mm-hmm. which enable us to get the bigger success. So I'm just going to take that exactly. away as a big takeaway. Anyway, that's a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who, I'm sure somebody's famous said that and I don't know who it was. So it yeah, wasn't me. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it to Carrie Kaufman for today. That's yeah. lovely. Um, so, so interesting, actually, when we're looking at businesses moving through their journey and creating what they want to be doing. Um, I want to come back to something you mentioned just now about when you and your husband decided to go t- to do something different. You created a vision of doing something and then you made it happen back in 2007, effectively. Um, how often have you seen business owners struggle to put in that personal change because they've not created a vision of what they want? Is that something Because you yeah. obviously did it? You put it in there and you said, hey, this is what we're going to go and do. Big change, live in a foreign country. Yeah, we often see it. Have you seen that come up in business owners themselves? And what can they do about it if they want to do something different? Yeah, great question. Um, and the answer is yes. I think that yeah. the the default for a founder, especially, is that the business comes first, right? So they yeah. consider themselves lucky to get a couple holidays in per year to take some time off, um, but they that they have a hard time really setting a big personal goal that actually feels like it robs from the business, mm-hmm. meaning that the, um, it has to take time away from the business or the make a sacrifice in the business to make it possible. Um, yeah. And I don't necessarily believe that that's has to be true. I don't think okay. they need to be mutually exclusive, meaning I can either have all the business success in the world, or I can pursue personal goals. Um, that yeah. being in business should give you more life and not suck the life out of you. Um, but th- you know, that requires doing the work, right? Getting the, the systems and the team and the, the strategy in place so that, that it can afford you the time to step away, but not waiting until you feel like you've got it all perfect before you start living. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's interesting, isn't it? Not waiting to get it all perfect before you start living. Because I think, you know, as business owners, some some business owners do go into business just to make money. But actually, I always say that most people, when they come to talk to me or you, they often want more time, less stress, more money, and more fun. Yep. It's those four things. And yeah, they may be getting all the money they need, but if they're not having the fun in their business or they've not got the time to go home and see the partner, the dog, the kids, whatever it is that entertains them actually they're missing out on what the real reason for setting that business up is and they don't see that until someone's opened their eyes up to say hey you need to think about what else you want in your life right Um, so some of my clients will start with this relatively small like i have a couple clients that have a goal of taking some holiday every once per quarter even if it's just three-day weekend but forcing themselves to take a small step to actively move away from the business, do something they enjoy, plan something with their families. Mm. Um, others of my clients, it's much bigger. They're, you know, they're at a point where they're uh, able or willing to take more time off or pursue, yeah. you know, whether it's a challenge like a running a marathon or getting a pilot's license or, you know, learning a new skill, whatever, whatever it is, uh, but mm. that they have to have those goals. Like there's, you, you haven't, you always have enough time for your priorities. You know, you don't have enough time for everything, but you always have time for what you choose as the priorities because we all have the yeah. same amount of it. But if you don't know what those things are outside of the business, there's not a chance you'll make time for it, right? There's the, um, you know, the, I guess, 
belief among business owners when it comes to their team is how long is that task going to take that employee? And the answer is as much time as you give them, right? If they've got an hour to do it or a day to yeah. do it, it's going to fill up the, the time will, will expand to fill available space. Yeah. So, yeah. and your business will expand to take all the time. If you, if you don't decide in advance, this amount of time is designated for something else. Yeah, then it won't yeah. be there. It will, the time won't, the, the sky will never part and you won't magically say like, you know, I've got nothing to do next week. I think I'll take a vacation. Like this is just not going to happen if you don't force it, right? Plan it yeah. ahead. And, 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 yeah. I, and I think there's, there's some real power in that, isn't there? That, that thing about, you know, putting a priority because actually if we make something a priority, we'll do it. And you mentioned about running marathons or, or you know, taking time out with your partner during a three-day weekend, whatever it might be. Unless you put it in your diary up front, you know, and especially now, you know, it's January, scheduling a year effectively and say, okay, well, how many times, how many days do I want off? How much holiday do I want? Mm-hmm. How many daytimes do I want with my partner? How many days do I want to go to see the kids? All those things, unless you make it a priority and put it in there, time just uh, time expands to fill the space available, as you say. It's yep. a big issue. Time um, and money both. They just they just grow, right? <laughs> just, yes. You yeah. know, you have businesses, you also see it with their cash, like they get to a place where they make more money, personal finances as well. You make more money, but you don't feel like you have any more money. It's like, cause your expenses grow right along with it. Right. Yeah. It just expands to fill the available space. If you don't in advance designate this money is for investment into the business. This money is for additional distributions, you know, uh, you know, whatever it's, mm-hmm. whatever it's going to be for. But, but, but the problem is, and I, and I, I hear the business owners that I talk to and you talk to as well. They say, yes, but cause they hear us, they hear us talking like that. But then they come back and say, yes, but I can't afford to take the time off because I'm too busy to do something. So I think this is one of the big things. So, so how, do you, how do you coach someone who's in that frame of mind that, yes, but I hear what you're saying, Carrie, sounds really good. It's all right for you to say you've got your business set up like that, but I can't do that. I can't take my foot off the gas because the business will stall or anything like that. Because we always hear that from the business owners. What do they need to do to, to transform their thinking that, so they can prioritize things and make time for those priorities? I think you nailed it, that it's transforming the thinking and it's not simple, right? It's, there's, it's always multiple facets to it, but the first part is their mindset that they, if you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you're right. So if you really believe that your business is reliant on you, there's not a chance they're going to develop the skill, let alone the systems or the infrastructure to operate it any other way. So sometimes I'll ask a question like, imagine something happened, like God forbid, there's a funeral or something that completely removes you from the business suddenly and unexpectedly for even a few days, like what would happen? And most of the time, the answer is they'd figure it out. Right. And maybe that's actually, well, that actually happened to me last year. I was out with COVID or I was out for this or that unexpectedly. And well, you know, maybe things didn't grow. Maybe it wasn't perfect, but they figured it out. Right. So kind of deflating, taking a little bit of power away from that lie that it's impossible. So in other words, look for ways to prove yourself wrong. Like to prove that, to challenge that belief that, that it's impossible because, well, it is possible because that happened last year when you did this or that, or if you had to do it tomorrow, you know, things would work itself out. So let's, let's kind of set that belief aside now and then say, well, now we do have some reality we need to deal with that, you know, could you do that for more than a couple of days without some consequences? Maybe not. Okay. So what do we need to get in place to make that possible? If it's, if it's people, if it's systems, if it's technology, like what's the path to buying back some of your time 
Um, and, and not letting that law of the vacuum suck it up into other things, right. To be intentional. Like I'm, okay, I'm going to hire this person or I'm going to improve this, this process that should then relieve me of a few hours a week. Right. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do with that time to be intentional, to make sure it doesn't just get absorbed into other busy work in the business. Uh, So maybe you need to, you know, plan that golf morning to get yourself used to taking a few hours a week out of the office. Um, and then kind of build that up to where they can take off more and more. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and it reminded me as you were talking there, when I, when I set up my first business, and I've mentioned this a few times on this podcast, um, my accountant back in 2004 gave me a book and she gave me Michael E. Gerber's book, mm-hmm. The E-Myth Revisited. And she said, before you set up your business, read this book. And I still have Sarah, the chocolate Good maker advice. in my head there. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's it because too many people get into business and then they end up hating their business because they're too trapped in it. Yeah. You know, they may love chocolate at the beginning, but actually they end up hating it because <laughs> it just consumes their life and they can't make, can't see it anymore. Uh, and, and so I love your bit there about, you know, just putting a, a golf morning in or something simple in, which you can just slowly wean yourself off of it and realize that you can relinquish control to other people. Yeah. But there's some things you need to do to, to create the space, to put the systems in place, to empower other people um, before you have a chance to uh, uh, make it happen in a big way. You've got to put those small steps in, I think. Is the yeah, absolutely. So, so, so I love that. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned something as well, one of my other favorite quotes as well, you know, believe you can or believe you can't, either way, you're probably right. Henry Ford, if that was attributed to him, had, a, had was right when he said that. Yeah. Uh, and I always say Henry Ford, it may have been someone else, but that's how I believe it was. Yeah, yeah that's um, who I've heard attributed to as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's the key, isn't it? A lot of, a lot of people, they, they don't believe in their ability. They, they get themselves stuck in that way of thinking that that's what they do. So I think it's about, it's about prioritizing. It's about mindset. It's about starting small with the three things I heard there from you. Yeah, um, yeah, you summarize it better than I did. <laughs> there we go. That's it. I probably knew the answer as well. So, it's, um, um, so thinking about it, one of the other things that you and I often see in business owners is, um, and, it, and in scaling up, we talk about getting people on the bus, getting the right people on the bus with the right skills, the right attitude, with the right driver. Um, sometimes business owners don't want to give things up because they don't trust the team, because nobody's as good as me at doing this job because I've done it for twenty plus years. How do I trust people? So, so, so what advice have you got for those business owners who are facing this year, it's 2022, and they want to get, make that time. What advice could you give them around empowering people and relinquishing some of their own responsibilities to give it to other people? Right. Again, there's lots of parts to that. It could be, they could just be flat out wrong, right? Um, that there are people who are qualified and that they're underutilizing their team. Uh, yeah. It could be that they don't have the right team or perhaps they just haven't equipped them. Like, so what training and, and processes do you have in place to enable somebody else to do this as well as you can? Yeah. yeah. Even better. Um, but sometimes it's dispelling a bit of the, the value that they think they provide. Be, like, I guess I'm getting at is most things, if somebody can do it 80% as good, it's usually going to be good enough. Um, and I don't remember where I heard this. I, I think mm. I, I got this analogy from another coach. He said, it's like, um, if uh, there's somebody, maybe a classically trained cordon bleu chef comes over right. from France to the United States and applies to, to work at McDonald's and they say, well, I'm a cordon bleu chef. I can make the best hamburger in all of the world, right? It's like, well, we still pay you what McDonald's pays you because yeah. like the skill is too big for the job. The job doesn't warrant that. So I've had clients do a little exercise where they rank their primary responsibilities in the business. And on a scale of 10, one to 10, what's the skill level like? And on a scale of okay. one to 10, what's the re- replaceability? Wow. So just okay. because yeah. you're a level yeah. 10 
but maybe only a level six is warranted for that. And you could train someone to operate at that level. Yeah. Um, but it, here comes back to the, the balance of dissatisfaction and vision, because what's going to drive them to make the changes is when they get really dissatisfied with what they're not doing instead. Yeah. Right? So it's enough to be dissatisfied. So that's, I guess, the vision, in other words, the, the mirror image of that dissatisfaction is I'm frustrated. I'm trapped in this. Well, I wish I was doing this instead. And now yeah. I have to find a way to offload some of these things. And um, there's a little quadrant I use, like oh, a yeah. kind of a nine grid, you know, uh, on axis of yeah. where the vertical axis is um, enjoyment and okay. the horizontal axis is skill. And plot everything you do in here, low, medium, high skill, low, medium, and high enjoyment. And ultimately, you only want to be working in the high skill and high enjoyment where you can really add the most value to the business. Yeah, but the yeah. mistake a lot of founders make in particular is by trying to duplicate themselves. They think, I need another one of me. When in reality, the first thing that you need to is need to do is get rid of all the stuff that's not worth your time, meaning the low skill or low enjoyment. So you actually start at the yeah. bottom left of that and kind of work, work your way up in an arc, right. To where you're only left with the top, right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. but they underestimate that. It's like, but when you ask a question, like how many times have you stopped what you were doing because the printer jammed and now you're being the it guy and you're not an it guy, right. Or you, you know, you kind of get sucked into these little things that aren't your job and you're not even that good at them, but you tell yourself it's not worth your time or it's, yeah. you know, it's not worth the money. But when you add it all up, is that three or five or 10 hours of your week? And if you could buy back that time at a discount and then go reinvest it into higher yeah. value activities, will it more than pay for itself to hire or outsource or, you know, get the right technology in place, yeah. be whatever the solution is. Um, and when you put it that way, you're like, okay, you're, you know, how much is your time worth? And you just told me that you spent two hours doing a $25 an hour job. Yeah. You just cost yourself hundreds of dollars in the process. Yeah, and yeah. really, like, let that pain sink in. You know, now uh, they're more motivated. I, I love that, and I think the one bit that that you made that raised there, you raised a couple of things, and I've just drawn out your nine box grid as you, you were talking there. Um, that thing about costing your time as a business owner, too few business owners know the value of their time. Yeah. Or, or they've been stuck in the corporate mindset of I'm paid a hundred thousand a year or whatever it might be, but they don't think about what it costs for every minute of their time because they've never had to think about it. Yep. So when you start running your own business and actually weighing up that time versus money, it's really easy to say, okay, this is going to take me two hours of my time. Every hour of my time is costing $150 or 150 whatever it is. Could I get someone else in to do it for $25? Yes, then get them to do it. Yes. People don't think like that. And I, I love it. I used to work with a, uh, a lovely man. I still in touch with him now. And um, he often used to do all the little things that he shouldn't be doing. He was CFO of the business. And he was a shareholder in the business. And I'd often find him, and the funniest one was when the toilet blocked. And I found him in there with his spanners trying to unblock the toilet. <laughs> and I said, you can't be doing that. But he says, well, it would take me longer to tell someone else about it or get them to pick up the phone. He wasted two hours of his time unblocking a yeah. toilet in his office. He ran the business. And if you're listening to this, you know where you are. Yeah. <laughs> there's probably a lot of people who feel guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there's a key one there, isn't it? So, so, so there's some key things there about, you know, understanding the skill versus the... Um, uh, the, the enjoyment of doing it, understanding where you're adding value, and then looking at that, that value of time versus the, the, the cost of you getting someone else to do it. So you can outsource some work or bring another bit of work. Um, the other bit, and I'd love to touch on this, and this is slightly flipping the conversation around in terms of this strategizing. 
So we talked about, you know, vision for the end of the year um, and creating something out in the future to understand where are you going, but actually about creating a strategy and sticking to that plan. Because a lot of business owners don't. They start meandering through the year with some vague goals of what they want to achieve. And of course, they then achieve some vague goal at the end. And, and often they come back and say, hey, there's no point in me planning because, because I just don't know what's going to happen in the year. Something else might come along. COVID might stifle my business or um, there might be something else that stops me doing it. So how do we contend with that as business coaches to help people who say, I can't plan because my business is unplannable? Well, it's, it's making an assumption that a plan is set in stone and is rigid, which is not the case. Yeah. Right. This is why in scaling up, we plan quarterly. So we have our initiatives, our, our goals for the year and, and even further on, you know, three years, five years, BHAG might be going 10 to 25 years out. Um, yeah. But then quarterly, we're taking bite-sized chunks out of that and leaving room to course correct and, yeah. you know, navigate changes. And, and I personally think 90 days is about the ideal amount of time to plan. So you've got bigger goals. Uh, and initiatives, but the plan itself is shorter term. So 90 yeah. days is, it's enough time to get stuff done, but it's also a short enough amount of time that you can reasonably see, you know, certainly unforeseen things could happen, but it's, a, we feel mm -hmm. a lot more comfortable saying we can kind of predict how the first quarter is going to go um, and, you know, plan accordingly and make some course corrections. So the plan has to be a living, breathing document. Um, a lot of my clients will keep their plans on paper um, mine okay. is actually posted up just beyond my, my computer here. And I literally, you know, I've done a lot of work digitally. I've gotten, there's more to it, but kind of the, the summary version is right there where I can look at it on a daily basis, cross things mm. off, scratch it out, move it around. Like it's a nice. mess by the end of the quarter. And I've learned the messier it is, the more got done. Cause I mean, it was constantly looked at, it was prioritized. It was thought about. And so it's never perfect. In yeah. the 13 weeks don't usually go never, not, not even usually never go exactly as we predict, but does a heck of a lot more get done. If we decide in advance, this is what these 13 weeks are about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. when I do um, annual planning with my clients, we split it into two parts. There's okay. strategic, strategic thinking is separate from execution planning, right? So okay. I'm doing this uh, yeah. with a client, uh, Next week, um, most of my clients' annual plans are already done. We've got a one lingering one we're, we're doing next week. So we're spending the whole first day just on that bigger picture, those questions that they tend to dabble in and then they get hard to answer and then they move on and come back mm -hmm. to the present day. So where are we really going? What are the three to five years that, that we want to achieve? Like if we want to be there in three to five years, what must we start on now to get there, like in this scaling up, we call these the chess moves, right? Cause, yeah. cause they're slow, yeah. right? They're slow and you don't get an instant result. You might be thinking two or three moves ahead before you're really gonna make progress, but you've got to start on it now if you really want to be there over the long term. And then we work backwards. So that's where we want to be in a few years, three years, yeah. five years, yeah. 10 years, however far they can see. Like now let's rein it in and say, okay, what does 2022 need to be about? What key initiatives do we need to be focused on this year? And then back it in one step closer. What do we need the first quarter to be about? Yeah, yeah, I love that. So there's two. There's the strategic thinking, asking the hard questions that we often, as you say, dabble in and they get hard answers. We don't do anything with it. And yep. then it comes down to the execution planning of specifically what are we going to be doing within that quarter or within exactly. that period of time? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so, you know, now is a good time to be doing it, but actually a lot of people should have been doing their strategic planning in, in, in the pre end of the previous quarter or getting that done at the back end of 2021. But as they say, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. So you might as well get on it. So if you haven't done it, do it now, I think is the, the big bit of advice there. Anything else you would suggest? What's the other key thing that business owners need to be doing right now? It's the beginning of 2022. Um, we've been through a, a hell of a 19, 20 months over the last year around the world. Any other thoughts you've got that you're sharing with your business owners, your clients at the moment to say, hey, this is where you need to be thinking that, that comes to mind for you? Focus yeah, on the okay. team. Um, probably for you the same in the UK, but here in the United States, um, unemployment is low, right? Finding and retaining great yeah. talent is as challenging as ever. Um, so we we have a phenomenon here that I think is is maybe not global but uh, widespread called the yeah. Great Resignation, yeah, right? Time. Where loads of people are they're quitting their jobs or, or questioning their career path or their life in general. And is this where I want to live? And is this what I want to do? And so, as a leader, you want to be proactive with your team and make sure they're happy, they're satisfied. You know, focus on retaining the A level employees versus um, the. the yeah. I guess the tendency is to focus on the B yeah. or C level employees that need the most help or the biggest pain in the rear. Um, and in the process, maybe risk losing touch with some of the A's. So involve mm -hmm. them in the goals, you know, get them, let them know like the contribution that they're making and some of the primary drivers of job satisfaction are uh, a sense of contribution, right? That they know that what they do yeah. matters that it's appreciated, that it's making an impact, that their opinion is valued, that their skills are being utilized. Um, and I'll frequently run surveys of my clients' teams. And one of the questions I ask, not on every survey, but re very regularly I ask is, do you feel that your skills are being fully utilized and appreciated in your That's current right. role? And That's the right. answer is far and away, no. Like, like maybe to know, right? They, they all know they've got more to give, uh, that they're capable of more. Is it this kind of untapped potential that hopefully all humans know about ourselves is we've got more to give. So if you can be the leader that can tap into that, that can challenge them in a good and rewarding way, involve them in the bigger picture purpose of achieving the company goals, not just to make yeah. you more money, but to fulfill the greater purpose of the business, um, now you've really now you've got alignment right now you've got momentum you've got engagement and you'll that in and of itself will put you head and shoulders ahead of your yeah, competition love that, love that. And, and i think that's a lovely lovely way to segue to, to one thing i was going to say so carrie you know, you've got lots of youtube videos and uh, i was on my spin bike this morning uh, as i do regularly to to to, to maximize my time so i would have get my get my legs turning while i'm learning at the same time so i was watching some of your videos uh, nice, and one like of your that. videos I was watching is about, um, are you the smartest person in the room? I think you would talk, called it. And I think it was one, a video from some time ago that you had done. But I think that some of the questions there is to making sure as a business owner, you know, don't you don't need to be the smartest person in the room. And that's all about involving your team, getting them to open up so you can see the skill set of the people around you, not yeah. feeling as a business owner, yeah. I have to be the smartest person. And the key bit there is coming back to our earlier conversation. If you're the smartest person, you'll have to, you'll feel like you've always got to be doing, you'll feel like you've got to have to be doing everything in the business, but you've got a great team of people. So let them do the work. So I think that's a really interesting point yeah. there about, you know, focusing on the team because that frees up your time. And then you can get into all those things you want to be doing, whether it's surfing or flying the plane, running the marathon, whatever you do, you've got time to do it when you focus on that team. So that's a great one. Thank you. 
so we're coming towards the end of our conversation now. Um, and I mentioned about your your YouTube videos. Um, where can people find you? So you're based in San Diego, the US based. How can people find you if they want to hook up and find out a bit about what you do? Yeah. So if you know how to spell my name, I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So that's my website is kerrykaufman.com. So I'm also very active on LinkedIn, um, even on Instagram or Facebook. So wherever you like to engage, uh, you can pretty much find me there. I'm not super active okay. on Twitter, but the rest of them, you'll, you'll find me pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, I'd love to connect with, with your uh, listeners and answer any questions or follow-ups or, or even hear people's greatest takeaway. I'd love to, to hear that as well. This has been a fun conversation. But if I just spell your name, Carrie, K-A-R-I-E, and then Kaufman, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N, for people looking there. So CarrieKaufman.com for right. people who want to go and check it out. But thank you. It's been a great conversation. Um, one final question for you, and, and this is, I'm looking for a short answer, a long one. If you could go back to the Carrie of 2005, setting up your coaching business, What's the one bit of advice you'd give yourself? Oh, <laughs> I think the short answer is be patient with myself. That is um, looking back now for my business. There's benefits that I have that I only yeah. have due to time. It just takes time to have clients build amazing businesses and sell them. And I, you know, like get to share in their success or their, you know, excitement of that, or to have um, a, a CEO contact me and yeah. say, I've been watching your videos for four years and I finally decided I'm ready. Like you just need time for those things to transpire. So plant the seeds, they take a while to grow. So this would be my advice for any business owner, you know, coach or, or otherwise, plant the seeds, water them, yeah. nurture them, be a little bit patient. You know, there's a difference in hunting and farming, right? And, and this is, um, business is mostly about farming. You know, sometimes you got to move quick and make quick moves in order to eat. Um, but if you really focus on the, the planting, you don't just get the one meal, you know, you get, the yeah. orchard, you get the harvest uh, continually. I love that. What a lovely end to it. So thank you, Kerry Coffin. Thank you very much. Great answer. And uh, be patient with yourself. And uh, a bit about success takes time. Plant the seeds now. So thank you, Kerry. Thank you very much. Thanks, Phil. Pleasure. Have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I've enjoyed recording it. This is just one of the great conversations I've had the privilege of being part of since I started recording the Sparks Bakingham podcast. So please go back and listen to some of the others. There's some great content in there, some great contributors. And also, while you're at it, please leave a review of this show with your comments because that helps other people like you find this content. And we want to bring about the change that we really know matters to people. It helps us grow. And also, think about what actions you want to take because there's no point just listening passively. We want you to pick it up and do something with it. So what are the three key things you want to do? I can't hold you accountable, but if you want to, drop me a note, phil at igniumconsult.com. We're always keen to listen to what you have to say and actually introduce guests to us that you think will bring relevance to other people. We wish you well. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. Give us a review. Thank you.